Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com Today is May the 2nd, 2007 I've talked a lot about the upcoming controlled society we're supposed to all fit into perhaps not all of us because they do plan at very high levels to bring the world down to what they call a sustainable level at the United Nations we find people like Professor Carol Quigley publishing books on the subject of the new feudal system composed primarily of overlords who were international corporate leaders in conjunction tied together like a web with all the different planning departments that coexist alongside and work with the United Nations to bring a utopia into being a utopia planned not by the ordinary person who to be honest with you sails through life through rough seas and smooth never really knowing what's going on because they're not involved in the decision making process and they don't get access to the information of what's really happening they live with six o'clock news and trivia and sports on television that's what we get fed at the bottom we find people like Albert Pike, uh, the Grand Master, actually the Supreme Commander of the Southern Jurisdiction of the Scottish Rite of Freemasonry, writing in the 1800s about the future which would come into play, which would be dominated by large corporations, foundations, in fact foundations that would pretend as always through high Freemasonry which is by the way through all religions through all societies through all peoples it's Freemasonry at the top that pushes every part of this coming agenda we're actually living through it towards the last phase of it in fact before we go into the next phase because the 21st century was picked to be the one for the great revolution and these guys proudly claim to be behind every revolution in history at least in recorded history there is no doubt the secret societies go back into ancient times we know of all the different groups that existed before Mithraism came into being and Mithraism never died out it coexisted with early Christianity for many people at the time and that age they were living through they couldn't really tell much difference between Mithraism and Christianity Mithraism had come from India and been adopted into the Middle Eastern countries North Africa most of the Roman soldiers joined it it was a warrior mercenary type of brotherhood which talked about courage but also boldness the need for secrecy and brotherhood and also talked about the need for virtue and how you could become godlike through the cultivation of virtues modern masonry is the same for the exoteric at the bottom it's almost like a self-help group in one sense to be a better person but the higher boys that are sifted out to go higher know differently it's a very much a, an elitist organization and it doesn't matter which branch you think is in exists in which country they're all connected they're all the same from the Jesuits to the Grand Orient Lodge of England to all of the Masons high Masons the real builders 
who build cultures and futures. That's what it's about. They know the need for secrecy. They need that the profane, the masses as they call them, the profane, those in the darkness, must be guided according to themselves. They're too stupid to plan their own lives responsibly, so they must be guided by their betters. And these people at the top truly, truly believe that they are the best evolved types that the planet could produce. Foundations, the great foundations that burst forth beginning with philanthropists in the 1700s into the 1800s as they accumulated massive wealth. And look at the founders of these foundations. They accumulated by all and every means possible, including creating depressions in countries and looting those countries, taking pensions and everything to build up the treasure that they would need to plan their future. They created the League of Nations, they created the United Nations, and all the big foundations which appear to be going around, revolving around the United Nations, are actually all part of the same system. The Rockefeller Foundation sponsors hundreds and hundreds of these non-governmental organizations that demand changes, primarily apart from the social sciences and the the service fields too and the need for greater laws for child care but it surely means greater laws for the rights to take your children away they also promote the environmental causes the big, big push and Rockefeller gives out Citizen of the Year awards to these globalists who all work towards the common cause, the great work of high masonry the children are always the targets because children will grow up in a vastly different world of very fast paced change no technology we're given is new whatever is discussed in scientific magazines is old stuff when they say they're working towards something it's been done already at a higher level and the children will come through tremendous changes they already have in some countries like the United States where the gangs were encouraged we've seen it also in Toronto create the problem offer the solution the solution was the goal in the first place their problem was to create the problem and that isn't too hard to do in this day and age and children go to school they get frisked coming in to many of these schools they go through metal detectors and it's becoming much worse because the society they're being trained to grow up in is one where you obey, obey, obey acts which at one time would be humiliating or be normal such as complete body searches, cavity searches all of this kind of thing which degrades the individual and in a Pavlovian way makes you feel lesser of a human being which further makes you respond in a Pavlovian way of submission this little article ties in with this from the New Zealand Herald Wednesday April the 18th 2007 It's called Big Brother Creeps Into British Schools. I wonder if they've even printed this in Britain. It first came out on Tuesday, April the 10th, 2007, by Nigel Morris. London, almost 6 million children at 17,000 British schools could have their fingerprints taken, intensifying fears of the growth of a surveillance society where personal information is gathered from cradle to grave where have we heard that before as soaring numbers of schools require pupils to have biometric checks to register in the morning buy canteen food or borrow a book 
it emerges or emerged that less than one quarter of local education authorities have banned collecting fingerprints. The rest either allow it or have no policy on the issue, potentially enabling head teachers to gather biometric data from about 5 million English school children as young as four without telling their parents. The loophole has provoked a civil liberties row, with the government facing demands to introduce a code of practice to prevent such information being collected without permission. This is your standard way that the, the, the journalists, who mainly belong to their own New Zealand, that be the, the New Zealand Department of the Royal International Affairs Organisation, Royal Institute of International Affairs, the New Zealand Institute of International Affairs. They have them in all the Commonwealth countries. Council on Foreign Relations is a term used when it's a non-Commonwealth country. And remember that the League of Nations was pushed by the big Cecil Rhodes Foundations and Milner Foundations to bring in a world government based on the British system. So they'll come up with an ethics committee which will come to a compromise and there is no such thing in life you see as compromise. There's either winning or losing. Compromise means, in this case, in politics for sure, or social governance as it's now called, there's no such thing as compromise. When you give in to one thing next year when it's become, when you've given in to becomes common, it's easier to go the next step. That's the bottom line. Take the pillar down in the pantheon, you've weakened all the rest of the pillars, they hold more of the weight till they all go down one by one. That's what the compromise tactic is all about. To continue, plans are already underway to hold details of all children in a single register to be launched next year. And Prime Minister Tony Blair has said he wants all youngsters monitored for signs of criminality. This is the whole agenda, the eugenics agenda, to decide who comes through into the new age and those that will be sterilized or disposed of in some other way. This has been discussed at very, very high levels for a hundred years or more. It's rediscussed every year at top level because the eugenics movement is just another part. That's now called bioethics, by the way. It sounds more fuzzy. It's all a part of weeding out what they claim will be the unfit. The number of schools that could potentially fingerprint pupils was obtained by the Tories, that's the Conservatives, as they call them over there, and freedom of information requests to all English and Welsh local education authorities. Damien Green, Tory Home Affairs spokesman, said, This is disturbing. Most parents would be horrified to know that their children might be fingerprinted without their knowledge. You see how that's worded there. This is the guy who pretends, as all parties do if you're in opposition, you, you come out on behalf of what the public would want you to say and without knowing what happens to that information in the future. See, that really is how they get around something, is giving you your opinion here, knowing you'd be upset. But bypassing the primary reason you should be upset, I mean, most parents should be horrified they even want to fingerprint your children by law. That should terrify you. Not horrified to know that your children might be fingerprinted without your knowledge. You see how that, that makes a big difference when you see it that way? You've just bypassed the first objection, which is horrified to know they're being fingerprinted in the first place. And he goes straight from that to without your knowledge. So it's really your knowledge now you're upset about. They haven't told you to continue. And without knowing what happens to that information in the future. As a country, and this is a joke because Britain has gone Britain is part of the European system. You might say that Europe's become Britain in a sense because the same characters that designed it modelled it after Britain to serve themselves, not because they love Britain. As a country, we need to wake up to what's happening. 
And this is another joke too, because you see when the Tories Conservatives were in, in the 90s, they tried to get through a bill then for national ID cards, the biometric one, before the 9-11 deal happened. And everyone's forgotten all about it. But now they're playing opposition, so they, they come out with this. See, there's no such thing as opposition. They work in tandem. They work in cahoots. Thousands of, of schools have already bought software to record the biometric data of youngsters, including fingerprints and photographs. It is used for smart cars to speed up the taking the attendance register and giving children easier access to libraries and meals. See, it's making it good for you, easy for you. The growth in technology without safeguards on how the information is stored or deleted after a child has left their school has around controversy. So here they are, once again, because there's no such thing, even please admit that when they take information that's stored temporarily, it never goes off the books. You never get rid of data on people. Knowledge is power, power over people. Gloucester County Council has ordered an investigation after discovering that at least 17 of its primary schools were fingerprinting children as young as four. There have also been protests at primary schools in Doncaster, South Yorkshire and Kendall, Cumbria after it emerged that pupils were allowed to borrow books only if their fingerprints were on record. Phil Booth Spokesman for the No to ID group said, As fears grow about adults' biometrics being taken, now the next generation is being targeted before it even leaves primary school. Yet they must train them early, since they're the ones going through the big part of the chaos. Pippa King, a Hull teacher who is campaigning for tighter controls on fingerprinting in schools, said, our children are going to grow up in a world where biometrics are important. They need to know they have to be careful with their personal information and be in control of it. I don't think making children desensitized to that is a good thing. 79 MPs of all parties have signed a Commons motion registering alarm at the growth in numbers of schools collecting biometric data. It has also been condemned in the Lords. This is the, the reform of the, the U.S. Senate. Same thing. The Senate was modelled after the House of Lords. Where the Liberal Democrat Baroness Walmsley said, The practice of fingerprinting in schools has been banned in China as being too intrusive and an infringement of children's rights, yet here it is widespread. The Tories are demanding a four-point code of practice. It would ban fingerprinting without permission from parents, code data to guarantee confidentiality, ensure information is used only for purposes specified in advance, and require it to be destroyed after a child leaves. But we can trust politicians, can't we? Rather than say, ban it altogether at the start, because you can't, as I say, compromise. There's no such thing in a system, in a social system, when you compromise, you're actually giving something up. Once they've got it on the books, it expands. It's the nature of the beast. It happens with all laws that get put on the books. Now in Britain, growing up, it was so easy to see the system use the media for those who had a functioning brain. The tabloids, as they called them, were initially looked down upon by a lot of people because they were full of almost gossip. Now the tabloid is the norm. It's hard to get a, a larger paper. Not that you really get much difference in them. Everything's propaganda. That's what the media's job is, is to get ideas into your head by limiting the information that you're given, just giving you certain pieces which will make you come to predetermined conclusions. You can't make a, full or a proper conclusion unless you have all the data, and you'll never get that. It's to program you. Well, the tabloids went into the 
they, they always had a page three girl initially to get the guys all to read it, and sports, of course, became their front page. And if all the things that were happening in the world, the team scoring some goal was more important than the unemployed and the misery and all the rest of it that was going on in the countries. They'd often wrap up serious stories in a bizarre, almost psychedelic fashion. That's a technique where you can put horror next to trivia or fantasy until nothing's real anymore. It's a form of mind control that's used. You don't react the natural way to the horror anymore. It becomes commonplace, desensitized to it. So this Sun article from Britain was from Wednesday, May the 2nd, 2007. And it's got, New Law Sounds Full of Hot Air. I think in last year, last show last year, I did March 21st, 2006. I talked about the, the tax that came out for flatulence from cattle that was put on New Zealanders. This one, Now it's going worldwide now, you see. They've ironed out the resistance, how to cope with the resistance from farmers and the public. And now they're presenting it in a new fashion, a new format. Same idea. It's coming from the United Nations, by the way. It's also part of the Kyoto, this big Kyoto monstrosity that's going to take away all of your ability to be independent in any way, shape or form. Going after water, food, shelter, clothing, your basic necessities of life and further. And it's written, this article is written on a topic which creates a lot of jokes naturally. New law sounds full of hot air. April 28th, 2007. This is Barmy, that means crazy Euro MPs, are demanding new laws to stop cows and sheep parping, they're calling it. It should be farting, of course. We know it's farting. And in New Zealand, the protesters had banners up. At least they printed them in the newspapers and showed you the photographs, and it says, no to the fart tax. Their call came after the United Nations said livestock emissions were a bigger threat to the planet than transport. There you go, the UN again. You see, the United Nations said livestock emissions were a bigger threat to the planet than transport. The MEPs have asked the European Commission to look again at the livestock question in direct connection with global warming. The official EU declaration demands changes to animals' diets to capture gas emissions and recycle manure. Recycle manure. They warn the livestock sector presents the greatest threat to the planet. The proposal will be looked at by the 27 member states. And the UN says livestock farming generates 18% of greenhouse gases while transport accounts for 14%. They love these percentages, eh? Statistics. There are lies, then there are damn lies, and then there are statistics. You see, if, it's, if it wraps itself in the in the cloak of science, it must be true, eh? And that's part of the, the new fart tax that's coming your way. It'll be laughed away, of course, and then we'll get used to it. Remember what Alvin Toffler, the friend of Newt Gingrich, said when he launched his book, which Gingrich gave out to all the congressmen on the steps of the U.S. Congressional Hall. The book was called The Third Way, or wave, it was the amalgamation of capitalism and communism, creating a massive social structure of bureaucracy and departments which would manage all our lives for us. Still with an elite at the top, the dominant minority of Huxley, and Toffler, who was a good predictive programmer, that was his job, put it in his book that we are creating a world where everyone will be vegetarian 
and he said it must be so without ever saying why it must be so well the why is because it's the agenda these diets have been pushed for a long time it's also part of the old brotherhood the Benjamin Franklin became vegetarian when he joined the, the higher societies although I think they're hypocrites they, I've even seen Brahmins eating meat it's a control mechanism for the people for the people below all you'll be left with is your modified vegetables from Monsanto and the rest of them now in a related story from the sun same day May the 2nd 2007 we've got global warming will kill billions because we're on a drum roll now fast drum roll to the creation of global warming through high technology this is by Michael Leah the political correspondent April 7th 2007 billions face death from hunger drought disease and natural disasters the world's climate change experts warned yesterday years of rising sea levels will also destroy coastal cities like New York and Tokyo and a third of the planet's animals and plants could be wiped out the doomsday scenario is the bleakest yet from scientists who claim man-made greenhouse gases who blamed the man-made greenhouse gases the shock report from the influential United Nations Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change the leading world authority on the subject it's the only world authority on the subject said up to 3.2 billion people will face water shortages within 80 years a further 600 million could be left starving millions more will die in heat waves wildfires, droughts and storms triggered by global warming the IPC report using research by 2,500 scientists in 130 countries was approved unanimously by governments meeting in Brussels now what they don't tell you is that 2,500 scientists are all living on grants the grants are put out by the foundations which belong and are part of the United Nations they're what you call yes men yes boss IPCC chairman Rayenda Pachura urged the world to pay attention to the findings saying it is a global responsibility Greenpeace called it Greenpeace <laughs> read the history of Greenpeace and the founders a glimpse into an apocalyptic future Friends of the Earth dubbed it a looming humanitarian catastrophe. These are the authorized NGOs for the United Nations. Next month, the IPCC, which says scientists are 90% sure humans are to blame, will report how to beat it. And that will be interesting, because now they're going to start coming out with the plans and the laws for the agenda that we must all obey for this new society. Now isn't it interesting that people like Charles Galton, Darwin, Bertrand Russell and all the rest of the big players talked about bringing the population down to a sustainable level or a manageable level, an efficient level in a post-industrial society that wouldn't need all the people and psychopaths always in history, and you should really read your histories have always turned on the people and tried to decimate as many as they could for fear that one day they'd be overthrown when they go too far which is pretty well frequently so here's a world of psychopaths at the top from all the leading institutions which control the world that's religions of all the religions by the way there are no separate ones at the top they all coexist like one big gang because none of them at the top actually believe in the religion that they had they're beyond that they know it's for the public consumption but they know they must play good shepherds it's not the Jesuits they've had their history and it's not any other group it's not the Jews it's not and not and not and not it's all the psychopaths at the top they came together a long time ago long time ago now remember the United Nations has stated that they would take over eventually 
the distribution of all food to the world. This was written years ago, this stuff on, on distributing food to the world. So it's easy to cause hunger by cutting off the supplies. The droughts and natural disasters, as they call it, are not natural so much because now everything, such as flooding, drought, and earthquake, can be caused just by the harp technology alone. We know they're spraying the, the dickens out of the skies, and they have been beaten for years before we were on about the global warming. So they're not doing it to stop global warming. They're causing global warming. And they won't talk about the spraying because the fallout, apart from what they're doing, health-wise, is phenomenal. They don't want the public to catch on because absolutely all hell would pay if, if that happened. There's no doubt about it. We've had people like Jacques Cousteau in a magazine interview talk about the need to reduce the population drastically by many thousands per day. David Suzuki, a great heralder for the United Nations and its agenda and its population reduction said basically the same thing on a television show. All the main players that you think are humanitarian and speaking for you, for your benefit, are their boys. That's how the world is really run. Now then after the fish, the big fish scare, the mercury in the fish, people got off the fish, one source of protein gone. Along came the mad cow disease, we're told. We're told it's mad cow disease. Millions of cattle and livestock were killed off, mainly in Britain. A few in Canada, quite a few actually. And the same in the States. So people are getting terrified of the beef. Now they want to eliminate methane from cattle. They miss the bigger ones, the big animals. They miss the, the elephants and the hippopotamus. The hippopotamus is famous for farting through its mouth. It's pretty unique in that way. But you see, the well ones have got rights. Now, in a related story from the same newspaper, The Sun, same date, April, this is from April the 6th, 2007. Billions of people are doomed to drought and food shortages because of global warming, according to a report published today. According to a study by the United Nations Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, the IPCC, massive migration flows and major flooding will affect coastal cities globally if the atmosphere carries on heating up at current rates. The IPCC recently predicted a 3 degree average global temperature rise by the end of the century, with devastating fallout from melting ice caps and rising sea levels, heat waves and droughts. But today, the same panel's report, finalized at four days of talks in Brussels, warns that many of the poorest and least industrialized nations are the most vulnerable and least able to adapt because they only hit them probably harder remember what they called them the useless eaters the document suggests that unless greenhouse gas emissions can be stabilized between 1.1 billion and 3.2 billion people will face water shortages who's been taking over the water supply and putting meters on people's wells, all again from the United Nations. And between 200 million and 600 million could go hungry by 2080 as global warming triggers heat waves, fires, droughts and storms. All the things again that HARP can do. IPCC, which draws on the expertise of 2,500 scientists from 130 countries, says it is more than 90% sure that human behavior is to blame. Again, these same scientists work for the foundations and get grants from them, and they are the yes-men. Experts. Remember what Bertrand Russell says, the people will not be able to think for themselves, but they will obey and listen to the experts. Experts fear that rising waters as ice caps melt will flood key coastal cities, claiming between 2 million and 7 million victims in Tokyo and New York alone. 
and a temperature rise of 1 to 2 degrees in centigrade would see one-third of the Earth's species either displaced or wiped out. Scientists want governments to commit themselves to reversing the rise in greenhouse gas emissions by 2020. Every month, EU leaders made binding pledges to cut greenhouse gases by one-fifth and treble the use of wind, wave and solar power by 2020. All that stuff was hashed out in the 60s and 70s with wind, wave and solar and had experimental booms out in the sea that would be triggered by the rise and fall of waves and so on. And the voltage and current was so low it was pretty well useless. They also vowed to increase the use of renewable energy to 20% of total energy needs by 2020. And the UK government set an ambitious goal of cutting greenhouse gases by 60% by 2050. Hmm, Britain's going to be hit hard. Greenpeace International Climate and Energy campaigner Stephanie Tunmore said, This is a glimpse into an apocalyptic future. What this report shows is that we are simply running out of time. Today's report will be taken into account by leaders of the industrialized world at the G8 summit in June. They love these groups of eights and sevens and sixes and fives and fours. You know, the Masonic G. Yeah. And the summit, lovely summits, the peak of the mountain, you know, where the capstone should be. So there you are with her hype, hype, hype to get us all terrified of catastrophes and how we must put our hands completely into the experts because they're going to take care of us because we just are too dumb and ignorant and we're not experts to deal with anything. Even though we go through little mini ice ages, many mini warming periods up and down like yo-yos and we always have done according to the very old, not so old actually, primary school geography books, which you can't find anymore except in the garbage dumps when they empty out the old libraries. But for an ignorant population that doesn't know that, they think everything's always been summer, fall, winter, spring, always on the right time, always the same. Easy to con them, to fool them. Now, one of the organizations created to deal as a think tank on specific problems to get the world to go along with the totalitarian agenda was founded back in 1968. They held their first meeting in Rome, so they called it the Club of Rome. C-O-R, backwards is rock. They love rocks being high masons and it defines itself as a think tank and a centre of research and action of innovation and initiative it is a group of scientists economists, business people high level public servants heads of state and former heads of state from around the globe that was establishing as a new way of addressing the larger questions confronting global society because the existing ways were too narrow and governments too compartmentalized. These interrelated questions and issues are referred to as the problematique, they call it, by club members. The club views itself as a group of world citizens. See, they're world citizens. Remember Rockefeller's awards to world citizenship? showing a common concern for the future of humanity and acting as a catalyst to stimulate public debate. Now, what they call raising it to public consciousness is to get an idea in your mind so you'll listen attentively when experts come on and guide you to your opinion. To sponsor investigations and analysis of the problematique and to bring these to the attention of decision makers. In other words, they tell the puppets and, and politics what to do. To put that another way, the Club of Rome examines present global problems and possible future trends, but try to understand what is happening 
and then to encourage action at different levels, from individuals to governments. Club members share the belief that each human being can contribute to the improvement of societies. And they do, because in their statements, along with the United Nations and the Cecil Rhodes Foundation, that really they were all founded on, they said that everyone may be born into a system where it would be a privilege to serve the state, and that would be the function of everyone who served the state. And they would define what was good and what was bad. If you want to find more on this, go into the Club of Rome for the little PR blurbs. You can see the founders who founded it. And you can see one of the books put out. It was published in 1991 by the Council of the Club of Rome. The book was called The First Global Revolution. That was not the first either because these characters are behind lots of revolutions. In it you'll find, in searching for a new enemy to unite us, we came up with the idea that pollution, the threat of global warming, water shortages, famine, and the like would fit the bill. All these dangers are caused by human intervention. The real enemy, then, is humanity itself. Now, governments have always known that to keep power you must always have an enemy that's how you can dictate to people in a totalitarian manner when you have an enemy so you've not got a real war going you've got a cold war but it's all done in cahoots with the supposed enemy in the first place at the top level that's why kings and queens had ongoing wars for centuries and centuries with their cousins from Britain to France to Holland to different countries and they would just rotate the enemy every couple of years and they benefited from all of the money that came in from the armaments and munitions and supplies and the loot too because it was very profitable looting the ordinary folk you know. so repeat that little bit again from this book in searching for a new enemy to unite us bring the world together remember John Dewey if only there was a threat from outer space the world would have to come together and all be as one to fight it what he meant was putting themselves under the guidance of all the elite with their experts to guide the new society to make it more efficient. For New Enemy to Unite us, we came up with the idea that pollution, the threat of global warming, water shortages, famine and the like would fit the bill. All these dangers are caused by human intervention. The real enemy then is humanity itself. And that's from Alexander King and Bertrand Schneider. It's about them. The First Global Revolution King and Schneider were two of the main founders of the Club of Rome. They didn't do this on their own initiative. They were told to do it because they belonged to a very high brotherhood of elitists. And as I say, these big foundations, they are never elected by any member of the citizenry of any country are the ones who plan the future of generations in advance. They're big, big think tanks where elite members sit down to con and fool and terrify the public so they'll give up right after right after right They've already gone to your children big time. The children are being downloaded with a very good scientific indoctrination, preparing them for the world that they're growing up in, with chips leading to brain chips and everything else. Meanwhile, the media gives you trivia, some horror mixed in with it, lots of sports, sex scandals in Hollywood,
and all the usual stuff to keep you in a circus an absolute circus now it's interesting going through the membership current and associate etc of the club of Rome where all these unelected people plan our lives and you'll find uh, there's some bigwig from every country there bankers and everything economists and vice presidents and corporations of every country and presidents of some Arab countries too but what's also interesting is they have some people who are into some specialities of social control and social psychology because they must use techniques you see to use on the public which work knowing how the public will react to fear and etc which is put out there for us to think about anthropologists are there and there's even some I think the head of the Marshall McLuhan Centre at University of Toronto is there and it's very interesting because McLuhan you find McLuhan was in fact I've got it here a piece on him he was into the effects of electronic media on the population on the human mind how it could be used or abused and even into cybernetics in a, in a sense too it says here in 1953 McLuhan launched his celebrated seminars on culture and communication at the University of Toronto a decade later he would use Weiner's idea liberally but without attribution in which his own watershed word understanding media which dissected the effects of television and every other medium of communication on human consciousness and culture the book subtitle The Extension of Man it's a good book to read and its oracular pronouncements that the medium is the message and that electronic media had turned the world into a a global village he was one of the first guys to call it the global village he echoed Weiner's words in the human use of human beings that the transportation of messages served to forward an extension of man's senses from one end of the world to another and that society can only be understood through a study of the messages and the communication facilities which belong to it now this is a little bit of what he was into he was into how our perceptions are formed that was really what he was into big time and the United States also recruited him and gave him a position in the States after Canada where he had a stroke eventually and he was brought back to Canada where he lived his last few years yeah he was into basically forms of mind control mass mind control by electronic media how to create perceptions to direct societies and how it could be manipulated and used and if you think the CIA wasn't intensely interested in that well think again we're living in a fairyland has been created for us bread and circuses mixed with horror we're desensitized to horror now we've been fed so much through fiction never mind the, the wars we see on television interspersed with ads for toothpastes nylons for women and the latest soap Hollywood and its scandals etc it's disgusting but these are the techniques that McLuhan talked about and was involved in helping them understand how to use it that's the world we're living in today we're shepherded not only generation by generation towards this planned society but we're also shepherded daily, weekly 
monthly and yearly. Our minds are shaped for us. Those predictions that they keep coming up with, they make to happen. And we accept them as being natural because we were told it was going to happen. Predictive programming. The real reasons for them happening are never told to the general public. That's the other reality of the world in which we live. We live, as I say, in Huxley's bread and circuses for the masses. Your children are being trained to be good slaves, ignorant slaves. They've been taught that they must feel good about themselves, even if they are the, 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 the least educated generation for decades. And they do feel good about themselves in that respect. They don't know that all they've had really for an education is social indoctrination and training towards a future which is already planned for them and that they've been prepared and and indoctrinated to go along with each part of the plan because it will seem quite natural that we come into it step by step. scientific indoctrination as Bertrand Russell the man who was given permission by the British government to start a variety of experimental schools in Britain designed to destroy the family on one level to even modify gender differences in fact to eradicate them to encourage promiscuity of all kinds knowing bonding would never take place on a lasting basis the earlier it started and we've all lived through it we've all lived through it society now as far as the family goes is pretty well dysfunctional that's what's been done while we Sing the songs are given to us, wear the fashions are given to us, adopt the neologisms, the words that television and drama put out for us to accept and adopt for psycholinguistic purposes. Alteration of meaning occurs when you substitute one word for another. And that's a technique that Russell and Lenin and others spoke about to alter perceptions by psycholinguistics. Well, for myself and Hamish, it's been a long day. Forgive me stumbling reading some of this stuff. I hope you passed the information on I know lots of you already are and that is certainly the start of fighting the monster because knowledge is power and that's why they've given so little to the general public we're not allowed into their big meetings of the Bilderbergers the Council on Foreign Relations, the Royal Institute of International Affairs, into the Rockefeller Foundation meetings, or any of the real meetings that plan our lives and dictate to the media and the think tanks what to indoctrinate into the people. They give us politicians to vote for, and sure enough, the public fall in line when the drums start beating left or right, left or right, left or right the two wings the two parties are attached to the same bird the body the bird is hidden behind a shield so you don't see what comprises it and I'll always give you some guy who will say the right things 
That's all they have to do is to say what the right things because they have the pulse on the public to know what's bothering you, what you're bitching about. And they'll come out and all say the right things and you never learn. When you get them in, you see them go in a completely different direction and you say, who is this guy? Well, that's a good question. Actually, ask that to begin with. Ask who is this guy because not the PR spin uh, from the media is going to help you. The fiction they create about them And you know they're going to lie to you So why bother voting? This agenda has steamrolled along Since before I was born Regardless of the parties that were in power In any country Every country has gone along Signing more and more agreements At the same time every year Towards this one global agenda And it's not a happy, happy little farm we'll have It's a global plantation And guess who will be the workers Please don't fall into the hype Of voting For people you don't know For people who already Have sworn oaths to organizations That are mandated To go along with globalism and push it But some of you just can't get enough lies Can you And with that I'll leave you tonight From Hamish and myself It's good night And may your God or your gods Go with you